Hi, everybody. Before we begin this podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that we're going to release some shows that were pre-recorded before COVID-19, before the pandemic really started to affect our businesses. Here on the podcast and in the school, we've put out quite a bit of COVID-19 content or pivoting, going virtual, and we'd love to get back to focusing on things like creating different business models and all of the things that really help make our businesses grow. I didn't want you to miss out on some really terrific shows, but I did want to make you aware so that you might adjust some of the ideas to suit today's climate. Let's say if someone's talking about running live events, just take a look at it through the idea of going virtual instead. I think you know what I mean. There's no question that it's not business as usual. It's going to be a long haul with this pandemic, but let's just keep moving forward. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Well, welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm Jane Atkinson, bringing you tips and ideas to help you grow your speaking business. Now, today, we're going to talk about something that many of you are probably doing, and perhaps we can help you improve your strategy a little bit. Today is all about email marketing, and our guest expert is Nathan Littleton. Welcome, Nathan. Hey, it's great to be here. He's coming to us, as you may have heard already, from across the pond. Nathan, tell us a little bit about your business. Sure. So my business is uh, split into two categories, really. So chiefly, I'm a speaker. I speak on email marketing, as you suggested, and also a, a topic that's close to my heart, credibility marketing. So my business is split between the speaking side, but also as a managed service business, working with a number of speakers and different kinds of business in all kinds of industries, managing their email newsletters and their email marketing for them. I've been doing that for a, a long time now, send more than a million emails each and every year on behalf of my clients, which gives me a little bit of insight into what's working in terms of email marketing today. I love that. And some of your clients are indeed speakers, are they not? Which means that you're right there on the front lines, trying out things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. Absolutely. Most of my clients, in fact, are speakers. And I think I have a, a good handle on what's working in the speaking industry. But also, I recognize that the speaking industry and the business itself is quite unique in that even if you give a really good representation of your expertise and what you do, not every opportunity that you create when you're going out there and generating leads is a genuine one. Because even if they do love what you do, sometimes you just find that they've already got the uh, event plan for the year already set, the budget doesn't meet what you're willing to offer, or it's just not the right time or the right fit. And there aren't many businesses where that's the case. Even when you give a great representation of yourself, not every opportunity you create is a genuine one. And so it's all the more important to be staying in touch with people on a regular basis and making sure that you're the first person they think of when they do need you and when exactly. it is the right time. Exactly. Yeah. Timing is everything in this business, isn't it? Just being in the right place at the right time. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think the differences are between email marketing in the UK versus email marketing in the USA and Canada? I'm in Canada. Many of my clients are in the US and Canada. What do you think 
are the differences that you've kind of seen? Well, that doesn't really fly as well here as it might there. Well, purely from a technical and legal perspective, historically, it's always been that America and to a lesser extent, Canada had stricter email marketing laws than we had over here. But as you may be aware, we had something come in about this time last year, which was GDPR, which was a a big deal in the EU, the European Union, and something that businesses on this side of the world were preparing for and in a lot of cases stressing about for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. The impact of that has been largely positive and in a lot of cases hasn't been as severe as many businesses thought it would. So actually, we're probably we've probably gone even further than, than you have over your side of the pond in terms of the legal and the technical aspects of things and what you can and can't do, who right. you can and can't email. But, but let's str- just say even without GDPR that it really is a good practice to do emailing legally, don't you think? I mean, let's just be, let's not add people to our email list who really don't want to be on it or haven't requested that. Isn't that just a good practice in general? Absolutely. And that was the advice I was given to most businesses was, well, if if someone asks to be on your email list, they're a good person to email. If they haven't asked, why would you want to in the first place? <laughs> You're annoying them. Absolutely. And I think that, and having been, I'm in the position here, people somehow think that I'm a speaker's bureau or an agent or something. And so I get added probably about five or 10 a week. And I can't even imagine if that's happening to me what's happening to speakers bureaus and people who are actually booking speakers. So it's just unsubscribe, unsubscribe. So no hard feelings for those of you who have done it, but you know what? It's just not cool. It's not cool. You're absolutely right. And that's also a reason why I think as experts in our industries, we should be raising the bar in terms of the level of content and the level of expertise that we're putting out there. Because you're right. Bureaus and event planners are receiving so many emails from different mm-hmm. speakers that we need to make sure we are the person that they think of. And the way that we do that is making sure that the content we're giving that out is of the absolute highest quality. Now, I heard somewhere in my travels, you know, you and I listen to a lot of podcasts. We read a lot of information and are constantly taking in, you know, what's going on in the speaking industry. Someone said a year or two ago, oh, email marketing is dead. And I certainly didn't believe that. I don't believe that. We do email marketing every single week and and put out a blog to everybody. What do you think about that? It's an argument I hear quite a lot, as you can imagine. Yeah. And I can understand the reasoning for it because myself, I receive hundreds, if not thousands of emails each and every week and month. Most of them are promotional. Many of them I've subscribed for and actually asked for, but there are a number of others that I haven't signed up for. So if people are in this constant cycle of hitting unsubscribe and recognizing emails as spam and things that they haven't asked for, it's easy to see why they may be thinking that email marketing isn't as effective as it could be. But actually, in reality, it just means we need to raise our game. The truth is that email marketing is effective when you do it in the right way. And it's the reason why I created a framework around how to use it effectively that starts very simply with an email newsletter. It's an email newsletter that has educational or informative content that's built around your area of expertise. And the reason for doing that is to firstly give the speakers who are using it a framework for creating the content so that it's easier for them to write, but also it helps to manage people's expectations on what they can expect to receive. So if you have a box on your website that 
invites people to sign up for a lead magnet, such as an ebook or an audio book, and explains to them that after they've entered their email address, they're also going to receive uh, a weekly, a fortnightly, or a monthly email that has information, tips, and advice around X, Y, and Z, i.e. your area of expertise, then you're managing expectations. You're letting them know exactly what they're going to receive, and then they know what they're signing up for ahead of the game. And what would you say is your optimal timing? You've talked about weekly, you've talked about fortnight, that's every two weeks, right? Yeah. Uh, monthly, and and obviously some people feel like they can do it more often than others anyway, but let's just talk about what you think is optimum. It has to be a good fit with where you are in your business, both at your quiet times, but also at your busiest times. I've had speakers who have decided, hey, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly. We're going to send a weekly email, sometimes even twice a week. We're going to have it as much as a thousand or 1500 words long. And they're able to do that for a short period. But then when things get busy, they're finding they're not quite able to squeeze in in the way that they were. So really the advice I generally give is that every two weeks, every fortnight seems to be a bit of a sweet spot, both in terms of making sure that people are receiving information from you as often as they want to, and it's not going to annoy them, but also as often as it's generally going to fit in with your existing work schedule. Yeah. The, the great way to be able to do it and not feel like it's a huge burden, but really see the benefit from it is to see where you can syndicate content that you're already putting out elsewhere. If you have a strategy for creating video, as you should in a speaking business, and if you're already creating blogs on an ongoing basis, then you've already got a ready-made stream of content that you can be including within your newsletter. Right. We double dip and do blog newsletter in the same combo. And I have seen, I think that when you say the term newsletter, people think, oh, it has to have like five different elements every time I do it. And I think people just get really overwhelmed with a beast like that. And it's very hard to continue to feed the beast. Absolutely right. What I do generally suggest is that you have different kinds of media within a newsletter. Okay. So I think... It should be noted that not everyone is going to read every single word of your newsletter from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. And generally, my view is that's okay. As long as someone sees something within there that has my name attached to it and they see it as being valuable, then I'm okay with that. So where if you can include three or four different kinds of things, I would recommend they be different kinds of media. An introduction, perhaps a link through to an existing blog post. You might include a video that you've already created. You might include a quick tip that someone could tweet really easily. And then you include a promotional or a service piece in there, something that is promoting a product or service related to the kind of advice that you've been talking about. And you've got a nice blend of different pieces of content there that even if someone were to just take the quick tip, which might take them five seconds. Right, right. Okay. And it's really nice if people can kind of scan it and see what's in it for them and then either, you know, move forward. And and would you say that there needs to be a call to action for business in every single newsletter or are you spacing that out somewhat? This is something where genuinely you can see what fits with your business best. You can, I always recommend that it be an 80-20 balance. The old principle of 80-20 should be 80% education, informative content Mm -hmm. that then owns you the right to be able to send 20% products or service promotions. Now you can decide how you split that up. It could be that you send your newsletter out and 80% of that content is just educational and value, which then gives you the 20% promotional piece at the bottom. Or it could be that most of your content, 80% of your emails are educational 
And then one in every five emails you send is, hey, here is an event that I'm putting on or a product or a service that you might like to buy. So obviously we know where the bottom line lies and that is when you're actually getting calls, you're getting emails, you're getting business from your newsletter. That's where the big results come. But what should people be looking for in terms of open rates these days? And I know that's going to vary probably from country to country. What would you say is a good open rate? So I would say 20% is about an average. Yeah, okay. I think not enough people put enough effort into the subject line. And the subject line really is the most important factor in determining what your open rate is. Okay. Let's talk about subject lines. What would you say is a, like a fabulous subject line? And get, can you give us a few examples of things that have worked for your clients before? I certainly can. Yeah. What I'd like to do, if it's okay, is give you the reasons why I'm so precious over subject lines. And that's sure. because of some of the really bad ones I've seen. Okay. You'll have seen them yourself. You get, email, you get emails into your inbox and they have subject lines like special offers, or even worse than that, you might see March newsletter. Mm. And I love sign up for my newsletter as a magnet. You know, that's Ah, very intriguing. Okay. We're on the same page. I can speak for days on that one. I really (laughs) could. Okay. We're on the same page. Continue. The the problem with those kinds of subject lines is when someone sees them in their inbox, they're making a split second decision here as to whether they're going to open the email or whether they're going to delete it. And the problem is when you use a subject line like that, they're making a decision on all of the content that you've worked so lovingly on they're making a decision on whether they want to read it and take action on what you're saying before they've even opened it. Right. So my formula, if you like, for an effective subject line is simply that it has to be interesting, i.e. that it stands out in a crowded inbox, and it has to be intriguing. And that's the magical point there is it has to be intriguing enough that they want to open it and read the first line. Then you've got to work to make sure that they want to carry on reading. But hey, uh, if they don't open your email, they're never going to read it. And if they don't read it, they're not going to take the action that you want them to take. So they simply have to be interesting and intriguing. Interesting and intriguing. Yes, great. That's right. Give us Uh, some examples of what that looks like. So, okay, one of the most effective ones in the last few months that I've been using is quite simply announcement. Oh, one word. Yeah, one word, announcement, and you can play that with the content however you want to. It could be that you are announcing a new product. It could be that you're launching a new website. It could be that you're launching a new resource that's purely for free that you want to give away to them. But I've definitely seen pretty huge uplifts in open rates based on that subject line. So nothing else back behind it, just announcement. That's right. You don't want to give too much away too early okay. because you don't want them to be making that decision on whether it's interesting too early. You just okay. want them to be intrigued into opening it. Okay. That colors me curious. I might have to try that one. Okay. So what else? So another one, in fact, I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple. There's one of the most interesting subject lines that I think serves as a, an interesting story on, on, on what you should do when it comes to subject lines. So I was speaking at a conference, gosh, maybe five or six years ago now that was for a shipping company. And one of the types of events that I like to run from stage is to not just give the advice on how to use email marketing, but to actually show you and say, hey, here's how easy it is. So I run live campaigns from stage. So I'll pre-arrange with a member of the audience. We'll take their list. We'll get some information about their company. And we'll actually create a campaign live on stage. So the whole thing gets written with the audience participating in it. We get them to choose uh, the offer that's going to be created and in even 
afterwards the subject line. So we created this campaign for this franchisee of this shipping company. Uh, we wrote a campaign that was reminding their list of, of how they would know them, what they can expect going forward. They're going to receive information on how to use shipping more effectively in their company. And we created this campaign. It was all looking really good. And then we got to the subject line. Now, I'd given a bit of advice on what makes a good subject line, and I was asking for suggestions in the room. Lots of people came up with a few things. But one really stood out to me that was uh, was quite interesting, which was, how big's your package? <laughs> yeah. No, you I must think that admit. has a universal understanding. <laughs> it does, yeah. You must admit if you're a, a shipping company and you need to send a parcel, the first how thing you need to know is how big that package is. <laughs> yeah, but there's a kind of innuendo thing there. Cheeky, and yes, cheeky. Yeah, absolutely. And the I thing is, on that day, there were a number of people who laughed in the room because they found it funny. But then there were some other people who were shaking their heads and saying, I don't really think that's appropriate for the kind of image that we want to put across. Right. And I can completely understand why that is because whatever marketing you put out, whatever brand voice you have, yeah. it has to be representative with every single thing you're saying. Yeah. So I completely get it that that's not appropriate for some kinds of businesses and the kind of personality and voice they want to put across. Yeah. But for others, that's the perfect thing to be doing. It's interesting. It's going to stand out in the inbox and it's certainly going to be intriguing and that they're going to want to open it. For sure. You just need to make sure that your message fits with that subject line. It's in but, line. If you're a cheeky person, if you kind of go on the edge a little bit, you can, yeah. uh, you can ride that. One of the subject lines that really works for people who are looking for booking speaking engagements, let's say it's a national association event that you're trying to get into, is to put the actual name of the event. I think I mm. first heard this from David David Averin, uh, put the name of the event in the subject line because it's very difficult for them to delete something that's about their own event, right? They have to look at it because it's about their event. So that kind of makes it nice. I, I assume that some of your clients are doing things like that as well, like approaching specific companies and events about getting booked in as speakers. They certainly are. And the subject lines particularly play on the human psychology. So uh, to give you a couple more that have worked, could you do me a favor? Simply thanks. But to, to plan the example that you gave there, it, it makes sense because like, for example, when you see your old school photo, there's a friend of mine who, who talks about this. Uh, when you see your old school photo, who's the first person's face that you look for? You look for your own. You're likely to hear your own name when it's shouted out through a crowd because right. you're instantly receptive to it. Right. So it makes sense that that would be the case. And subject lines always play on psychology in one form or another. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Big picture now, what in the email marketing world, uh, we talked a little bit about the blueprint. What are the pieces of the blueprint that we haven't yet covered? Okay. So I would... To, to take the big picture, mm -hmm. I would approach an email marketing scenario in this way is to look at it as needing three pillars. Okay. So the three pillars are that you need, firstly, to build a list. Mm -hmm. You're building a list of people who would know and like you and hopefully trust you. But more importantly, they'd recognize your name when it lands in their inbox. Okay. The second of those pillars is to serve your list. It's to serve them with educational content informational, at least interesting content that surrounds your area of expertise. Okay. And the third pillar is to extract the opportunities from your list, i.e. ask for the sale. Right. And I include this one, it might seem obvious, but so often I see newsletters where 
they're just not asking for the sale. Someone in particular asked me after an event, could I take a look at their newsletters? And genuinely, there aren't many occasions where I see a newsletter, see the content, and I don't have many areas where they can improve it. There always seems to be something where it could be, hey, take a look at your subject lines. Hey, take a look at this, that, or the other. Right. In this case, the content was absolutely perfect. But the one thing that they were missing is they were just never asking their list to actually buy anything. They were doing all the hard work in serving the list. The content was great. It was interesting. And the readers loved it. But they were never actually asking them to buy anything. Why do you think people are so afraid to ask? That is a good question. I am by no means the kind of psychologist who would be able to answer it. But yeah, I think it I is. A, maybe they're afraid of rejection, right? That's yeah. that's the age old nervousness about it. But yeah, I think that it's really great if you're talking about business, you can actually frame it up that way and say, now we know the first rule of business is to ask for the sale. So here I am now doing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Be candid yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be candid with it. I, I'm very much about being transparent. And so if I'm doing anything that's like a marketing maneuver, I usually tell people ahead of time that I'm doing it. Well, I think you've given us a lot of food for thought, Nathan. If people would like to get in touch, you've got products and services for people, for speakers about email marketing. Uh, tell us how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So my website is nathanlittleton.co.uk and that has all the information about the managed newsletter service that I offer for speakers too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Loved it. And wealthy speakers, if you've enjoyed the content of this presentation, please leave us a rating, leave us a review. Let us know that you're listening. Make sure that you subscribe. There's a lot of fabulous content coming down the pike for you. And with that, we will say, see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. If you need help building the speaking business of your dreams, head over to WealthySpeakerSchool.com and take advantage of our 20-minute next-step call. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.